Very, very good. 1 Samuel 30, if you all brought Bibles, iPads, phones, devices. <clears throat> Does anybody still use paper anymore? <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. And remember, if you're following along, sometimes I kind of chop these verses down a little, little bit to save some time, but uh, the point is still relevant, okay? Yep. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. Everybody good? Yes. yes. Yeah. Everybody gets all quiet and freaked out because we're taping. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> all right. When David and his men arrived at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid. Mm -hmm. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. Verse 3, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. And David's wives were among those captured. This in 1 Samuel chapter 30 is one of the darkest chapters of David's life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay? Sure. You've you got to put yourself in his shoes because it may be relevant to uh, some of the shoes you've had to walk in. Yeah. Did you ever go through a dark chapter? Oh, yeah. 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 Everything David loved, everything he owned was taken away in a split second. Right. Wow. Right. The, the Bible uses such descriptive words. It says everything burned to the ground. Yeah. It doesn't mean that there, you know, he came back from wherever he was with his army and here was some empty houses. There was ashes. Wow. Everything destroyed. Wow. Right. Wow. And they wept until they could weep no more. Yeah. Have you ever cried until there was no more tears? Yep. Oh, yes. Sure. Yeah. 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 I've had times in my life where my soul wanted to cry and nothing more would come out. Yeah. It's like it, yeah. there's just no more tears. The ducks closed up. They've given all there was to give. There's just nothing else left to give. Yeah. And you just sit there in agony. Yeah. Sometimes even weeping can become so intense that you literally feel physical pain in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and doctors, I guess, say that this is a reality, that, that your emotional pain can respond with physical feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So with David, this was not just a sad emotion. This was, this was the kind of pain where you begin to wish you were dead so the pain would stop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one time when I went through a really tough season, I remember when you're all done crying out the tears, there's no more tears, then you start praying prayers like, Lord, I'm just tired. I just wish it would all go away. I just want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever pray that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, I just want to go home. Yeah. Um, one time, a good friend of mine, we were talking, and I, I mentioned that, and she, she said, you got to be very careful that you are not speaking a curse over you to end your life early. And I thought, you know, that, that's really true. It's, it's, it's kind of like, if he can, the devil will get you to the, to the point where you actually come into agreement with him to destroy your life. And this is where David was. His wife, his kids, his house, all his possessions, the family dog, everything was gone. Everything. And verse 6 says... David was now in great 
danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they began to talk of stoning him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so it's not enough to lose everything you, you own in life, but now the people who are sharing this trauma, this disaster, now they say, hey, we got an idea. Let's kill our leader. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's take it out on him. Yeah. And verse 6 says, but David found strength in the Lord. Yes. So there, there's a lot in this verse, okay? Here's the high price of leadership that people with carnal ambition rarely consider. Mm -hmm. yeah. Alright? If you're in leadership this morning, listening to this, you own your own business, you're a ministry leader, you, you are the head of your home, whatever, I want you to consider these, okay? The very ones who cheer you will often also jeer you. Wow. Wow. Those who applaud you as a great leader can also become the very ones who talk of getting rid of you and firing you and destroying you. It's, it's pretty important, right, that the same crowd that was crying Hosanna to Jesus yeah. just in a couple days were crying crucify him. Yeah. Those were the same people. It was not right. yeah. bring in group A, now bring in group B. These were the same people. Right. Yeah. yeah. The safe place to be is to have surrendered everything you do in obedience to Christ. Yes, yes. And, and this is what David discovered. Mm -hmm. Your job is not to make money. It is a career for the glory of God. Yeah. See, that's what's going to get you through the jeers. Right. That's what's going to get you through. On the one hand, you've hired several people. Their, their livelihood, their income is dependent upon you. They're so grateful until something goes south. Yeah. When something goes bad, suddenly they're thinking about calling a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Right. And this is where you have to step back and say, you know what, this career I'm in, this job I'm in, I did this for the glory of God. I, I came into this to the best of my ability to be obedient. Yeah. And um, that's good. it wasn't just to make money. You can make money anywhere. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Right. If, if you're the leader of your home, here's something good. Your kids are not intended to be your friends. I had a revelation with my kids at one point I remember they were mad at me for something and uh, I remember even at the time we were sitting at the dinner table and this thought flashed through my mind and I thought I am not here on this planet to be your friend That's right. That's right. I'm here to be your parent I'm here to impart godly character yeah. I'm here to be safety net for you I'm here to provide instructions for you man was that free because, like kids, on uh, Friday, they're cheering you. On Saturday, they're jeering you. As a business leader, if you're totally honest, you're going to lose clients. It's going to happen. If you lead a ministry, your responsibility is to not make them your friends, but to make them disciples of Jesus. That's very good. This is real important in our culture today because our culture is overreacting to the church world having been so judgmental. The church world has been so angry and religious and judgmental. Here, here's 10 hoops to jump through, and if you can't jump through all 10, you're not a part of us. And so now our culture today has reacted to that to the point where the mantra is not... Um, Jesus is alive, the mantra is, don't judge me. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the mantra in the church today. Right, right. Well, if you are a leader in a ministry, your number one job is to make a disciple. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And the, the, the tough thing is, is that the root word of disciple is discipline. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Okay? Yeah. And, and, I, and I know the thing. I, okay, I, I understand this after 35 years. What goes through your head is, if I speak correction, they're going to leave me. Yeah. Yeah. If I speak to a wrong behavior or a wrong attitude, they're going to leave and go somewhere else. Because churches, a, a lot of times today, it's like fast food. I want it fast and I want it my way. And if I don't get it my way, I'll go to the one down the road. Because they'll, they'll give it to me why, my way. Well, you know what? If you're really a leader... You have to just suck it up and say, yeah. so be it. That's right. The truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. Yeah. If you're sleeping with somebody, it's sinful. Yeah. If they're not your spouse, it's sinful. Right. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, if you want to raise a family, you have to get married. I got one uh-huh and one amen. Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't agree. It's the truth. If you want to raise a family, you have to get married. You can't say we're in love and the papers don't matter. The papers matter. Okay? You're not going to move into a house down the street and say, I don't need a mortgage. I don't need papers. I don't need a deed. Um, I know the, the former owner and they love me and I love them. So I'm just going to move into their house. Uh, no, you have to have contracts. That's the point of it. Yeah. The contract is a symbol of covenant, and the covenant says when we don't like each other, when we're mad at each other, when we're not getting along, when we're going through a tough time, yeah. the covenant says we're in this until we stop breathing. That's yeah. right. That's Period. That's it. That's very good. That's very good. Now, that, what I just said is not going to go over big in a whole bunch of churches. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't matter, does it? Right. What do you do when you're a leader and you find these things going on? Um, somebody's having problems with porn. You just say, well, you know, I just want to be there for them. No, you want to teach them how to meet that need for intimacy properly. Right. Yeah. And you say, guys, this is wrong. This is false. This is going to become addictive. This is going to warp your understanding of relationships. Um, guess what? Our bodies are not photoshopped in the real world. <laughs> We're ugly. <laughs> we have freckles and pimples and bumps and bulges, and that's the real world. Okay? So when, if, if all you think of relationships is the pretend Photoshop world, it's going to mess up your ability to accept people and love people as they are. That's right. So now David's in this position. So what did David do? The Bible says he found his strength in the Lord. He didn't find it in the people because the people were in the mood of killing him. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He didn't find uh, solace in his parents because his parents were gone. Yeah. That's right. You, you know why David's men spoke of killing him for all the troubles? Because David was brave enough to take the blame as their leader. Mm. That's really important. Yeah. If you're the head of your house, the head of a ministry, if you run your business, when things go bad, yeah. when mistakes are made, real leaders, they just say, you know what? It's on me. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's my fault. Uh, you're not going to get billed for that. That was my mistake. Um, I'm going to make it up to you. Yeah. Yeah. When you blow it in front of your kids, the real leader sits down and says, you know what? I was wrong. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, lost my temper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dad, you should never lose your temper. No, I'm a human being yeah. first. Yeah. I'm a dad second. Yeah. Human beings lose their temper. So, uh, sorry. You, you, real leaders just... just find the bravery to take the blame. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And now David does what all true leaders do. 
He didn't ask for the counsel of men on what to do. Instead, he went straight to God. Yes. Friends, here, here's the key, okay? When things are going bad, when, when you've had your ziklag, everything goes awful, your prayers don't get answered, uh, there's a trauma, there's something awful. I know friends are important, friends give counsel, friends give encouragement, but the reality is your friends have not lived into your future. God has already been to your future and he's already promised in Jeremiah your future is going to be okay. So what we do is we go to the one who's already been there and we say, now what do I do? Because he knows how to get you from where you are to where you want to go. Right? So verse 8 says, Then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? And will I catch them? You notice he didn't say, Should I kill myself? He said, he, he, he pulled up his sleeves. He said, Do you want me to go after those dogs and teach them a thing or two? And the Lord said to him, No, I want you to learn humility. Is that what it says? No. The Lord said, Yes, go after them. And you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Now that's a good word. Your friend might have said, learn some lessons through this defeat. God said, turn the tables and go kick the fire out of your enemy. Okay? David found, verse 16, the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. How, how insulting! Right. When David and his army show up to these people, they're literally throwing a party, eating their food, petting their dog. They're petting David's dog. They're playing fetch with David's dog. Can you imagine how insulting and hurtful that must have been? Um, you see the women running around wearing your wife's clothes. Wow. 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 Darkness rejoices when you suffer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The devil loves it when you cry yourself to sleep at night yeah. or you stay up late worrying about how to handle a mess you found yourself in. These enemies of David were literally throwing a party over David's devastation. And they do the same for you. We think all the devil wants is you dead. That's not true. He wants you suffering. Mm -hmm. The devil wants you miserable. Mm -hmm. right. 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 Verse 17. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. Wow. This guy's not... Wow. They're, they're, wow. <laughs> a little bit of payback going on with this, this, this story. Verse 18, David got back everything the Amalekites had taken. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and the herds. In today's vernacular, that would be money. His stuff. He got back all his relationships and he got back his stuff. He got back his health. He got back his joy. David got back his passion. Have you been to church lately and noticed the passion level? It's unbelievably low. It's, it's in drought level. People... It's true. Honestly, I, I, I'm not trying to be ugly or, or nitpick about this. I'm just saying 
A lot of times after you've been through a ziklag, your passion level is really, really low. Mm -hmm. And it's not enough to just say, well, I'm still standing and I got my dog back. Mm -hmm. you, you have to say, you know what? I want my passion back. I, I want to be at the place where I eat and drink and sleep Jesus. I, when I see people at the, at the grocery store or the restaurant, I want to seriously think about, I wonder if they're going to go to heaven or hell. Not whether or not I'm getting good service immediately. You, you, you think, are, are they, where are these people going to spend a billion years? Yeah. Yeah. Can you get your character back? How about your reputation? How about your courage? David got his courage back. After Ziklag, everything's gone, everything's destroyed, everything is gone. All his friends, his team, want to kill him. And you know what David recovered when he, when he had the word from the Lord and chased down the Amalekites? He recovered his courage. Mm -hmm. Some people listening today, you need your courage recovered. Come on. In the last chapter of your life, you got hammered and now you're playing it safe. Mm. Wow, that's good. Okay. That's very good. Do you know you can't walk on water until you get out of a boat? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know you can dream about walking on water all night? You can think about walking on water. You can read about walking on water. Do you know you can talk about walking on water? But until you actually get out of the boat, you never get to experience walking on water. Some people never have financial miracles because they never ever put themselves out there to get one. Yeah. How about sowing something scary? How about giving away something that just is a little bit scary? Yeah. Yeah. When, when you hear people arguing about, should I, should I give a tithe, which is 10%, do I tithe in my net or on my gross? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Give 20% and stop thinking about it. <laughs> David got his family back. He got his dignity back. He got his hope back. Can you get your, your, your business back? Do you ever have a business crash and burn? Get it back. Can you get your ministry back? Has your ministry gone in the toilet? Do, do you yawn all your way through church now? Get your ministry back. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with people that you're proud of. Mm -hmm. When we started inviting people to my house here for the taping, I told Nora, I only want people here that want to be here. Yeah. Right. And they're not here if they didn't have to stay home and clip their toenails. <laughs> they're, they're not going to be here if there wasn't 15 other things on their social calendar. Right. I asked Nora, would you bring people that are here because they like the Bible, they want to be taught, and very soon they want to be a part of ministering to the people that are watching right now. Okay, now, watch this. Remember as a boy, David was anointed to one day the, be the king of Israel by a well-known prophet. Yeah. Remember? Yes. When David was, what, 13 or something? Yeah. Yeah. The prophet Samuel showed up and said, you're going to be the next king. Oh. And his brothers jeered and said, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. His dad said, we've got a lot more qualified sons in this family than this, this squirt, mm -hmm. this, this little guy that was out in the field. And uh, the, the prophet said, nope, he's the one. Right after he's done prophesying that David will be the next king, David went back outside and started shoveling sheep manure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. He didn't get a crown. He didn't, he didn't end up in a castle. Right. He didn't start ordering his family around. Armies didn't show up. Right. He went back to the farm. That's yeah. right. Okay? 
So all these years have passed, and now in this timeline we find David devastated at Ziklag, and then subsequently recovering everything. So track with David's emotions for just a minute. Mm -hmm. David must have been thrilled. Yeah. In fact, sometimes when you get thrilled, you get thrilled to the point of distraction. You're praying for this, and you get this, and you just decide, this is enough, because I started out with this. Now, David was anointed and prophesied to be the king over an entire nation, but right now, he's just sitting back and he's petting his dog and saying, thank you, God. I got my dog back, got my family back, we got our tents back, we got our money back, we got everything back, and he was probably so thrilled he was distracted. Mm. Yeah. David's entire focus now is on his recovery rather than his destiny. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. really good. Okay. So, how's your spiritual life when everything is going super? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. Okay, you have a good salary. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you pray every day like like you did when you were totally broke? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're, you're living in a nice neighborhood now. Do you pray like you did when you lived in a scary neighborhood? Uh, you've got great health. Mm. Do you wake up every day grateful for your health like you did when you were recovering from some something that was debilitating? Yeah. Mm. This, this is the honest truth. After having had a stroke, mm -hmm. there's hardly ever, ever a day goes by I don't wake up and say, God, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I don't hurt. I can walk. I can speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some will disagree, but I have no brain damage. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in fairly good form for 56. <laughs> and David's in that position right now. He's recovered everything. He's got everything. So today was good. And the question then echoing from heaven is, but what about his calling? Yeah. What about that word from the Lord over his life when he was a boy? And what about that word from the Lord over your life when you were young? When you first got saved, you would have done anything for Jesus, right? If the Lord said move to Zimbabwe, you would have packed your bags. You didn't even know how to spell passport. And you already had your bags packed ready to go to Zimbabwe. Anything the Lord said you were willing to do. Usually during the very uh, nucleus of our salvation, the very beginning days, our hearts are so tender, they're so grateful that we from the depths of our spirit we tell God what do you want I'll do anything I'll go anywhere I'll, I'll it's all yours what do you want mm -hmm. and usually that's when God will drop into your life a 50-year plan oh, Wow, that's good. he'll say here's what I want you to do now it could take 50 years to get that done but he'll drop those destinies into your life that's good. okay yeah. and so this is where David is now been through a trauma he's recovered everything after the trauma mm -hmm. and now the Lord is saying but what about about that call. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now now watch this. Samuel chapter 1 verse 1. David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent 2 days in Ziklag. Verse 2. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp. 
Saul was the king of Israel. He was David's nemesis. He was crazy. Yeah. He was always trying to kill David because he knew that David was going to be the king. And so Saul was always after him. Okay? He had, he had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. And he fell to the ground before David in deep respect. So the question is, why? Why did this stranger show up in David's camp three days after Ziklag and he's in mourning and he bows at David's feet? You know why? Because he was bringing news to David that Saul had just been killed and David was about to be anointed king. Three days after David's greatest trauma, Three days after David's greatest recovery, wow. the news of his lifetime comes that that wicked King Saul is dead and it's now time, finally, wow. for his promotion. Yes. His day of destiny is finally here. The question to you is, what is coming your way in three days? It may be three days after some horrible event, some horrible trauma, and the Lord smiles and He says, you don't know what's coming in three days. You're crying your eyes out. Remember David had no more tears? And, 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 the, and God in heaven is looking down at David while David is sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And the Lord smiles, not unkindly. The Lord smiles and He says, son, you have no clue what's coming in three days. David is now rejoicing with all his possessions, his job, his family, his stuff. He's got everything back. He's thrilled to death. And David's now reveling in the fact that he recovered everything, not some things, everything. And the Lord is still smiling and he says, you have no idea what's coming in three days. This is not it. This is only what's pointing you to what's coming. What's coming is your destiny. That's good. That's good. Three days from trauma, three days from recovery, David steps into his lifetime destiny to be king and the ruler and the type of Jesus for the rest of the for the rest of the world to look at. The rest of the world for all of time and eternity will look at King David's life and see examples and types of the man Christ Jesus in three days. So my friends, listen. You could have been in a great trauma in the last chapter of your life, or you could have been in a, an amazing recovery period. Mm -hmm. But unless that lines up with what you know as the Word of the Lord for your life, you thank God for it, you enjoy it, you revel in it, you're grateful for it, but you know what? You just don't settle. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You, you go back to God and say, listen, you promised me a family. You promised me a healing. You promised me I would minister to the poor. You promised I would have the wealth to be able to, to take care of people. You promised there would be a business anointing on me that I could hire people and change their lives with salaries. You promised me whatever it was. You promised me a ministry, a church, a mission field. You promised me something. Yeah. And God says, just wait for the third day. Yeah. Got it? Yeah. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to ask the Lord for 
this third day destiny to come. <clears throat> okay, before we, before we pray, don't, don't shut me off yet. Before we pray, I just want to remind you to give tithes and offerings if we are meeting needs in your heart. We're teaching you. We become a church for you. Um, uh, I, I saw something in scripture this week I want to show you. This, this is crazy. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, and throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. And Jesus called out to them and said, Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Okay? Here's an insight. There's two primary ways of fishing, which I understand. You can throw a net or you can cast a line. Yeah? Yeah. Apart from just a shotgun, I guess, you can try to blow them to bits into the water. But you throw a net, you cast a line. Today, right now, the Lord is putting an emphasis, a powerful blessing that has never been seen in any other generation, and how to fish to catch men. And that's using nets and lines. Mm -hmm. We call it the internet mm -hmm. and we call it online. <laughs> yeah. Alright? When you give offerings, and we have increasing, increasing numbers of people giving offerings and tithes, you are fishing for men, okay? We're not getting rich off this, believe me. Uh, the, the, we're, we're not taking up offerings so I can take a vacation to Hawaii. These offerings are going into the kingdom of God. It's, it's buying the equipment that we need to reach now almost 2,000 people, thank God. Um, we're going after men. We're, we're trying to, to give teachings that will emphasize the Lordship of Jesus in your life so that you're, you're not going to be jacked up by the devil. You're not going to be taken advantage of. If you've been through a trauma, you can recover beautifully. And if you have a destiny that's not yet been fulfilled, you don't have to settle for recovering everything because in three days, there's something amazing coming. Yeah. All right? Trust God for the word that He gave you back when you were a, a baby, baby Christian believer who, who, whatever, if God said you were blue, you believed you were blue. Whatever the Lord said, you just took it on board. And, and now we decide, you know what? No matter what I've been through, either trauma or recovery, my third day destiny is still coming. Yeah. All right? So, so give your tithes, give your offerings. Uh, help us to reach people and bless people. And let, let me pray with everybody right now, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, Oh, Lord, I pray for those who have been through Ziklag. Lord, you give them the word of the Lord that they are going to recover everything. They, they don't have to give up. They don't have to sit and cry any more tears. Lord, you have bottled up their tears. You've heard their prayers. You have seen their faith. And their Ziklag was only serving a purpose. That was not their destiny. It was serving a purpose to get a more fully dependent heart upon you. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, those who are watching, those who are here with me today, whether you are in the season of a ziklag or whether you're in the season of recovery, maybe you've got it back now. You're, you're debt-free. You've got friends. You've got your character back, your reputation back. You've got your health back. You've recovered things. 
Today, Lord, I ask you, speak to people and prompt them. The third day is still coming. There's news coming. King Saul is dead and you're about to become king. That evil man that tried to destroy you is killed. You, don't, you weren't even a part of the killing. You weren't a part of the battle. God took care of that. He's removed your arch enemy. And now it's time for you to receive your place in the kingdom, your position, your anointing, to be the father you were called to be, the mother you were destined to be, the business person that will change the way business is conducted. You will change the way business is conducted in your genre of business. That your ministry will raise up disciples, not crowds. You will reproduce passionate people who love Jesus more than anything in this world. Father, we speak the blessing for everyone watching. I pray the blessing for everyone who is giving gifts and offerings. Lord, I speak blessing back to them, multiplied because they've given out of love and faith. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Everybody said amen. 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 Thank you for watching. I hope this teaching helped you. And uh, you stay tuned. Please send in any prayer requests. Or if you get answers to prayer, let us know. You can uh, find me on Facebook. Just find Michael Lindquist San Antonio and click Befriend Me. And as long as you're not crazy, I'll befriend you. And uh, we will pray for you and uh, reach out to you. Go on our website that you can see on the screen. And uh, truly, we will take care of you. Okay? Listen to the podcast now. We had people say, would you please do podcast because I can't sit in front of a computer. So we heard you and now we've got podcasts so that you can listen on the go. And uh, uh, I think this will be a blessing to you. Okay? Thank you for coming everybody here and thank you for watching. We'll see you next time in the next chapter.